I just want to say a big happy Father's Day to all the young dads out there, the old dads, the granddads, maybe some great granddads in the house, some foster dads, adoptive dads, dads to be, dad in laws, dad figures in people's life. Can we just one more time give it up for the dads in the room? Man, we want to welcome you to Calvary Church, and if you're watching online or you're here today, we're so thankful that you're here to celebrate this day, and um, it's an, a special opportunity for me. I'm very thankful of Pastor Ross allowing me to get to share along with Pastor Jason and Pastor Cody today um, as we just take some time to look at a passage of Scripture that's very pivotal in our faith and our walk with God, but I want to give you just, I want to get a little street cred while we're going here. I am a dad. I've got two boys. We'll pop that picture up there. I got Mr. Carter on the left, Van Lloyd on the right, and they're in here today, and they bring me joy. They're good kids. And then I give credit where credit is due, my dad, Stan Lloyd Welch. There he is up there. I used to have very red hair, as you can see there. And uh, he's a good man, he's a pastor, and uh, I just look up to him, and you can't th say thank you enough for his example, and so it's just an oper uh, awesome opportunity to get to honor him, so thank you, Dad, if you're watching, love you and appreciate you. And, um, but today, we're going to just look at a passage in Acts chapter 10, and it's, and it's talking about a, a, a character within this, a centurion officer of the Roman army named Cornelius. And so we'll jump into this passage. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 10. It'll also be on the screen, and we'll read this together. At that time, there was a Roman military officer, Cornelius, who was in charge of 100 men stationed in Caesarea. He was the captain of the Italian regiment, a devout man of extraordinary character who worshipped God and prayed regularly together with all his family. He also had a heart for the poor and gave generously to help them. One afternoon, about 3 o'clock, he had an open vision and saw the angel of God appear right in front of him, calling out his name, Cornelius. Startled, he was overcome with fear by the sight of the angel, and he asked, What do you want, Lord? The angel said, All of your prayers and your generosity to the poor have ascended before God as an eternal offering. Now send some men to Joppa at once. Have them find a man named Simon the Rock, who is staying as a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. After the angel left, Cornelius called for two of his servants and a trusted godly soldier who was his personal attache. His, he explained to them everything that had just happened and sent them off to Joppa. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to learn from your word, to be challenged by your word. We ask that you go forth uh, in this day. May we be encouraged to know you more, to be more like you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we look at this character, Cornelius. And from what we can see in this passage, he pops up, he is a very successful man. He had a great career, many people followed him, and he was in the middle of doing that, people respected what he had done. He was seen, he had an important role in society, he led many soldiers, which led many other soldiers, and he was known, as we find in this passage here, as a religious man. And some key points of his character we see in the scripture here is that he was a devout man, he was devoted to a cause. He was God-fearing, it said. He gave generously to the poor, and it was seen by others around him. And it said that he worshiped God, and he prayed regularly. See, when I read a passage like this, I want to kind of get into the story. And if I was Cornelius in his shoes, it seems to me that Cornelius had great ambition. He had talent, 
because it was seen by people and he had drive to lead others. He had done the right things. He had rubbed shoulders with the right people. He probably got the grades he was supposed to get on the right tests. But he had the potential for his talent to sweep him past what his character and values could maintain. You see, character is important. I want my boys, I want them to be young men and not say it's the preacher's kid that's acting up. I tell them at night and we say, you're going to act like this and then you go into school and everyone smiles. We want those type of things. But my kids, like when we were kids, are constantly asked this question. What do you want to do when you grow up? And I still, I would have to say, I still feel a constant pressure more than ever with social media. I read somewhere that said we used to have a midlife crisis. Now we even have quarter life crisis that we find. I'm not going there. And see, I want my kids, and as you fathers in the room and parents, I want my kids to do the right activities. I want them to do well in the right school, go to the right college, and begin the right career. But character is important, but it's not everything. Now, my youngest son, Carter, which you, um, you saw in the picture there, um, his first word after daddy and mommy was a really deep and profound word, Batman, right? And at the same time, there was a meme being shared around on social media, and it said this. It says, always be yourself unless you can be Batman, then always be Batman, so we thought it was awesome. He could say Batman. We thought it was great. So, and we, you know, as parents, I had this great idea. We're like, we'll go one step further from playing with the action figure in the Batmobile. We'll get him a Batman costume. See, my older son, Van, he loved to dress up like Captain America or Spider-Man. It was kind of his thing. He loved to do it, and we thought it would be such a win. So, um, but, and so we had this idea. We brought it together. And so we, we put it on right next to uh, Van, and he was in a Spider-Man, and he was in the Batman. And let's see the response that happened when we first put this costume and he saw himself. <laughs> now, Carter is the youngest, and so he has to speak very loudly to be heard sometime in our home. And then he went on to respond a little bit like this. He was not having it. I was talking to my wife, and she corrected me on this, but Carter could always speak really well. And, and Carter is one, he loves to see the emotions in his face when there's drama happening. He, he might be getting told to do something, and he will run into the bathroom, look in the mirror, and he will tell you what it is right in the mirror because he loves to see that expression. But the words that he said was, no Batman, Carter. And see, so many of us, we put on a costume. Maybe it's not who we are and what we want to be. We follow the rules. We spend a lot of time thinking about who we need to impress or impress family or even to the points of what things do we need to check off to impress God that he will see. We're serious about this. We're religious. We want this. And I'm not saying that these things are bad things, but it's not the most important thing. See, I had an opportunity to share with our NXT students just a few weeks ago. And the topic we talked about was you will never love Jesus more by trying harder. Is when you begin to understand the love that Jesus has for you, then the response of our heart is just to reflect that love back unto him. And see, when you look at this passage, what we read, we see Cornelius did the right things. And when it came to that moment when he stood before the angel and he heard that he was supposed to send men to find this Simon Peter... He did it. He did the right things. And then he goes on um, in this passage, and not to get too far ahead, but it's a very pivotal point in Christianity. 
And so Peter, who was a preacher and he is telling others about it, he had at the time thought it was for the Jews and he'd kind of pushed people out. And he has this dream, he has this vision and he sees that the gospel of Jesus was for everyone, every race, every color, every person. And at the same time, these two worlds are colliding here. And Cornelius, as a Gentile man, he had done the right things, but he had heard from God that there is something more. And so Peter, at this moment, Cornelius being a bold man, it says he brought his family, he brought his friends, his relatives all around, this big group, they come together. And in verse 42, this is what Peter says to Cornelius. He says, Jesus ordered us to preach and warn the people that God had appointed him to be the judge of the living and the dead. In verse 43, check this here. And not only us, but all of the prophets agree in their writing that everyone who believes in him receives complete forgiveness of his sins through the power of his name. Amen. See, Cornelius had a new character trait. What we find as we keep going through that passage is that they all were saved that day. They responded to the message of the gospel and they gave their heart and surrendered their life to Christ. I was just the other day walking with my boys and I said, when you come to Christ, what sins are forgiven? And they were like, is this a trick question? I said, no, no, just tell me what sins are forgiven. And Van goes, you know, my past, my present, my future, all forgiven under the grace of God. And I was like, that's what I want you to know. Because if we can begin to realize that that is the foundation of who we are. See, complete forgiveness of sin through the power of Jesus Christ. I heard a pastor say it this way. He said, it's a mistake to decide what you want to do before deciding who we're going to be. See, this changed the trajectory of Cornelius' life, his family. It, encha- it changed his entire household. We will never know on this side of eternity the impact that this moment had when Cornelius stood up and realized, I might have some things together before people, but the foundation of my faith is Jesus Christ, and I need to receive that. The scripture said they were all saved. They all come to Christ, and they walked with him. See, religious people who have things together, maybe you say, oh, man, that's me. I, I, I come in, I try to do the, the, the fatherly duty or the motherly duty, bring my kids here. And I think this is such a powerful picture of how God hears us. He sees those things. But there's a message of hope and love that is found in Christ Jesus. I want to read this passage in Titus. It says it like this in chapter 3, verse 4 and 5. When the extraordinary compassion of God our Savior and his overpowering love suddenly appeared in person as the brightness of a dawning day, he came to save us. Not because of any virtuous deed that we have done, but only because of his extravagant mercy. Amen. And the last passage I want to leave with you, write this down. It'll encourage your heart. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. And from this passage in scripture, we see that Cornelius built his life on the right foundation. And Jesus is that foundation. Amen. Well, now that Pastor Stephen has shown you pictures of his dad, I'm not going to be wound up. So I'm going to show a picture of my dad. That's my father, James McElwee Sr., and he is uh, 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 just the best dad ever. And now you know the secret to where I get all my chocolate goodness from right there. That's my dad. And not to be outdone, yeah, give my dad a hand. He's watching online. Love you, Dad. 
And next you'll see the My Pride and Joy. Those are, this is my children and uh, this is my family here. And uh, I, know, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I didn't know Pastor Jason had two daughters. Uh, one of those ladies is my wife, Julie. Um, I'll let you figure that out. But uh, that's Jessica, Jared, and Joseph are my, uh, my children. And it's an honor to be their dad. And uh, every day is amazing. Pray for us because as of July 3rd, uh, we will have a house with all teenagers. And so we need your prayers. No more babies in the home. Um, so we, uh, we're thankful to just uh, be here today. And what I love about what Pastor Stephen shared is the foundation that he talked about that Cornelius built his life on is a foundation that we all need because without the foundation, we can't really build upon that. And that foundation is character. Well, today we know this statement to be true as well and that experience is life's best teacher. Experience is life's best teacher. Many of us will raise our hands and know that we have gone through some things um, and we've experienced some things and they've taught us some lessons. Some of those lessons have been hard lessons. Some of those lessons have been great lessons to learn. But experience is life's best teacher. You know, when I was uh, um, uh, new to this neighborhood, I had a dryer issue in my home. And my dryer was broken down. These hands, I quickly realized, were not hands to made to fix things at all. I'm a swiper card guy, not a fixer. Um, and so I was on my way to buy a new dryer, and I called my neighbor up, and I said, hey, can you come I take a look at my dryer? And he troubleshooted my dryer. He did all this um, E equals MC squared stuff that I didn't understand and found out we needed a $15 sensor. And so we went over to Menards, and we saved big money at Menards. Um, that song is awesome, stuck in my head forever. And... As he was putting my dryer back together and as we were talking and through conversation, we started to begin to talk about the church. And he said, what are you doing at the church now? And I told him that I was giving leadership over the baptism ministry. And he said, well, my son and I have never been water baptized. And so one thing led to another and he and his son got water baptized. And I realized that God used a broken dryer to force a conversation that led to water baptism to get a father and son water baptized. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand. And the point I want to drive is that these everyday experiences, God is using each one of them to, uh, to, to move us towards the more that he has for you and I. And we see that at play in this story here. We have two men, Cornelius and we have Peter. And we have two men who had two different visions from the Lord. And we have one God behind them both moving them towards the more that God had for them. You see here that Peter was positioned and Cornelius was positioned to do something great for the Lord. But in and of itself, they didn't know. And you look at what it says in chapter 10, verses 4 through 6. It says, the angel visits Cornelius and says, your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. And he will tell you what he must do. And right at this moment, all that Cornelius had was a promise that he will tell you what he must do. He didn't have the complete vision. He didn't have the total picture. But what I love about Cornelius is after he got this message from the angel, he began to move. He sent his men immediately to Peter's house. He didn't wait. He didn't ponder what, what do you think? What are you saying, God? He began to move in action. And sometimes, church, all we have is a glimpse. All we have maybe is a word. Someone spoke a word over your life. 
And it's not for us to ponder, but to continue to move in life, continue to serve, continue to, to, to pray and believe God that even though I got a little bit, that God is bringing the more. Amen? Well, now we see what happens as a result of this text. Uh, Peter is having a vision on the rooftop of this gentleman's house. And this vision t- involves animals and Peter is hearing from God and he hears the words, rise, kill, and eat. I find that appropriate for Father's Day. That's what we're all going to do later on. But he, oh, he hears this, and Peter rebukes this. Well, nothing unclean has touched my lips, nothing common. And then the voice speaks to him and says, what God calls uh, clean, you can't call common. And, and then we pick it up in verse 17, and here's what it says. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry from Simon's house and stood before the gate. In verse 19 it says, and while Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Oh, there's so much right here because while Peter was trying to work it out in his head, God had already figured it out. You see, while Peter was uh, pondering the vision, God was bringing the provision already knocking at his door. And you and I need to know that today, that sometimes God is already at work and he's in our midst. Even if we don't know what he's doing, even if we don't have the complete picture to know that God is dispatching. And we see that example in scripture. We see that happening where God is a God who may give you a little slice but the whole picture is coming. And that's the question that leads to my heart right here. Are you still thinking about the vision that God gave to you, but maybe you're ignoring what the Spirit is saying? You see, Peter was wondering it, and the Holy Spirit said, I know that i got to get Peter to get to Cornelius' house. And now Cornelius, who didn't know Peter, and Peter, who didn't know Cornelius, were about to have a shared experience together. And Peter, for the first time, was going to enter into a Gentile's home. And as Cornelius began to explain the vision he had, Peter got revelation about the vision he had, and now their shared experience combined was an opportunity for them to experience the more. You see, Cornelius needed Peter to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter came to his home and unraveled the whole mystery of the gospel and began to share the good news with him and his entire family. Peter also needed Cornelius Because now what Peter realized with this gospel was for not just Jews, but for the Gentile. Now Peter's ministry was about to go to a whole nother level. Church, can I just say, we need each other, amen? Older men and women, we need each other. We need to share the wisdom that we have with the younger generation. And to our younger generation, we need the wisdom of the older generation. And for them to share their experiences so that we can open our hearts and experience the more that God has for us. Well, there's a true statement here in this story that I feel is, 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 is true. It says, when God is on a mission, God will use surprising people to bring about that change. When God is on a mission, God will use surprising people to bring about the change that you and I have in our lives. You know, this happened to me when I was in college. Uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Gary. Gary was the roommate of a, a friend of mine. I walked into the, the apartment of uh, the room, and Gary asked me a question. Gary said, are you living your best life for Jesus Christ? Gary's question was a Holy Ghost punch right to my heart because I wasn't living 100% for the Lord while I was in college. And I felt immediate conviction from just the question. I don't know Gary's last name. I can't remember his face, but I thank God that God used Gary because during that season of my life, my father was continually inviting me to come back to church 
Jason, come back to church. Jason, come back to church. And I would ignore, ignore, ignore. And finally, I said, I'm going to go just to shut my dad up. That was my mentality. Well, I went to church that day, and the pastor preached a message, and I remember him asking two questions. He gave two invitations. He said, the first invitation was for those who don't know Jesus Christ. And he said, the second invitation for those of you who have drifted away from the Lord. He goes, it's time to come back home. And all I remember from that day was walking forward down the aisle that day, giving my hand to the preacher and my heart to the Lord, and I haven't looked back since. Sometimes God uses surprising people to bring about the change in your life. Well, Cornelius was sent to Palestine as a Roman soldier. He never knew that a fisherman from Galilee was going to change the destiny and the history of his entire family. And Peter did not know that he was going to be fellowshipping in a Gentile's home and his ministry was going to go to another level. Well, we love the fact that when, God, when we allow God into our lives, God can use us in ways that are beyond our imagination and it can open us up to a great move of the Holy Spirit. I'll close with this thought. Cornelius, he lived in a way that positioned him for something greater. And my question to you is, will you position your hearts today for the more that God has for you. Pastor Jason just said, come on, chocolate thunder to me. <laughs> Let me show a picture to you of why that statement is not true. Here is a statement of, uh, here's a picture of my father where I did not get any of my chocolate goodness from. Come on, look at that mustache. Woo! Those glasses, look at me, I'm looking at them like, what are you doing? That couch we just got rid of last week. <laughs> oh, he's a good man, I love that guy right there. And these are, uh, my kids are coming up next, there they are. They're a bunch of raccoons, we love them. That's Joshua, Josiah, Lucy, and Charlotte, and we are uh, in our favorite place. Pastor Stevens is the beach, ours is the couch. And we are there not doing anything else but watching God's team, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, play football. <laughs> and we're not smiling because it's not enjoyable because this is work when you watch your football team play. Come on, Bears fans, you know that as fans, we control the outcome of the game. And so when you watch it, you got to watch with intensity and with focus. There's some other teams that God doesn't care about. Those fans just really don't know how to watch a game. But us Bears, Bears fans and Cowboys fans, we really do. We know how to get it done. Well, I want to continue to get back on track here now. So we talked about character and the foundation of Jesus from Pastor Stephen and shared experiences through Cornelius and Peter from Pastor Jason. And both of those things collide together to speak of one word called influence. You know, influence is a, a powerful word. And as I look back on Father's Day weekend, I, I look back at that picture of me and my dad and I, I see how I look at him and the influence, the deposits he made in my life but I also think of the other men in my life that I have not ever called dad before. Men like Ray Hill or Marlon Basio, men like Arnold Baldwin and DeCarlos James, men that have made a specific impact into my life that never carried the title for me of father, but played significant father roles. And I don't know where you're at in your family journey. Maybe you, you have a heart to have kids and just haven't been there yet, men. But let me tell you that you can be a father and emulate the Father heart of God to men and children and boys all around you. So I'd encourage you to look at influence a little differently today. You know, Billy Graham said this quote. 
He says, when wealth is lost, nothing is lost. When health is lost, something is lost. But when character is lost, all is lost. You know, when Billy Graham said this quote, he said it from the foundation of Jesus Christ, understanding that that initial relationship with Jesus was the most important thing to developing godly character. It was through Billy Graham's character that gave him a lot of shared experiences. I saw a picture of Billy Graham speaking to over a million people in the nation of Korea. That's a lot of people. What is he telling them? The message of Jesus. Because we have influence. Look at Peter's influence and Cornelius' influence in this story. And you'll see the power of influence in one moment. In Acts 10, 44, it says this, while Peter was still speaking these words, what, what words are these words? Well, if you look a little bit for, uh, before that, what you see is that he was telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. While he was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. That's a good church service. Now, I know I'm looking out while I'm speaking these words. I'm seeing some people looking up, what does attache mean? <laughs> Other people scrolling through Facebook and a couple of you are sleeping. <laughs> we'll call you out later, but not right now. Go ahead and elbow them, wake them up a little bit. It's Father's Day, we'll give them some grace. But while, they were still, while he was still speaking the word, the whole household got filled with the Holy Spirit and got saved. If you look in verse 24, it says that, that Cornelius has this vision and Peter has this vision and Cornelius' vision says, go send men to Peter's house. And so Cornelius does that. And while he was there, he's like, hey, we, we love what you're telling us. You gotta tell all of our friends. You gotta tell all of our family. You gotta, you gotta come to our house. And Peter's like, okay. And it says that Cornelius was the leader of the Italian regiment. So when it says that he had some family around, what I know about Italian people is that they got family around. And good thing Peter had just had this vision about food because he's about to go get some mozzarella sticks, some garlic knots, and some pizza. Oh, I'm telling you, he was about to eat better than he had ever eaten before in his life. Now some of you are awake because you're hungry. It says in verse 24, the following day they entered Caesarea and Cornelius was waiting for them and he had called together all of his relatives and all of his close friends. Had it not been for Cornelius, there would be some people that had not known about Jesus. That is the power of influence. Whether you're a man or a woman, a father or not, you're a person of influence. We all have influence. Let me tell you, I used to not think that I had a whole lot of influence and then I had kids and realized that I have significant influence and my influence sometimes is not the best influence on their life. Let me illustrate it with this story right here. I grew up, or when my kids were younger, we lived in a town called Lubbock, Texas. Now, I know that everybody likes to claim that where they're from, nobody knows how to drive. But that's because you haven't been to Lubbock yet and really understand people who do not know how to drive. Now, there was a guy in first service that was here and he said, I take uh, offense to that. My wife was from Midland and they knew how to drive. And I said, yes, yes, they were from Midland. 
they were not from Lubbock. Now, Midland and Lubbock are pretty close, and they feel like they're really similar, but people in Lubbock just don't know how to drive, and if you're from Lubbock, then you know, how, know what I'm talking about. But in Lubbock, they have this road that goes all the way around the town, and they, they named it something very intense, very deep. It's called the loop, because it makes a loop all the way around. And for whatever reason, when people get onto the loop, they just lose all sense of understanding about how to drive. They don't know how to merge appropriately. Maybe you've experienced some of this in your driving. Uh, they don't know that the left lane is the fast lane. They think the left lane is just to go and enjoy life, but the left lane is there to get you there as fast as you need to get there. Let me just tell you, if you're driving in the left lane, church, and you're not going the speed limit, or just a little bit, you know, a little bit close to the speed limit, maybe on the north side of it, not the south side of it, and you're, not, and you're in the left lane, you think you're going the speed limit or under the speed limit, can you just move over to the right lane? Because the left lane, the left lane are for people who drive with purpose. You know, the left lane are for people who know where they're going in life and they need to get there. The right lane are for people who just want to enjoy the journey. We don't need to enjoy the journey. It's about fuel efficiency and time. So... I am a verbal communicator whilst driving if somebody is uh, not driving to my standards. And so we would get onto the loop and we'd try to merge over and this person wouldn't let us over. And so I would do what any other person in this room would do. I'd yell at them and I'd say things like, you idiot! It's, this is the merge lane! And you're sitting in the room today offended that I just said idiot because you got kids in here and they don't know the word idiot yet. Let me just encourage you. We got a great children's ministry here at Calvary. <laughs> Man, it's good. They don't even use the word idiot. You should check them into that because th th they'll be safe in there. Because I'm about to drop another word. They'd be in the left lane. I'd be trying to get there. We'd be trying to, you know, get to church on time and, and, and get there in a godly way. Except when you're driving, it's hard to be godly sometimes. I'm just being real. I mean, you moron, get out of the left Get out of the left lane. Can anybody relate to this? And Deborah's like, you got to be careful. Your kids are listening to you. I'm like, they don't care. They don't know what's going on. And if they did, they'd understand. Don't worry about that. They don't know. We were driving one day onto the loop. It was a, it was a clear day. There wasn't a car in sight. That's a good day to get on the loop. So I'm just getting on. I'm merging. I'm getting in the left lane. And we're going to get there. And for some reason, my son Josiah thought that every time we got onto the loop, we were supposed to yell. And so we get onto the loop, and this little three-year-old voice behind me yells out, You idiot! <laughs> we are people of influence. <laughs> it's said that what is done in moderation to one generation will be done in excess in the next generation. If you're looking at the generation behind you thinking, I don't know what they're thinking, I'm, I'm not understanding them, you should go back to your generation and see what you allowed to pass in moderation because it's what they're going to do in excess. That's the power of influence. Think about this man Cornelius. He was going to get his household saved. And so he made a point and put a time on the calendar to have everybody come together to know and hear about the message of Jesus Christ. Cornelius just didn't have influence in the Roman army, but he had influence with his family, and he knew what counted and what mattered most, and wasn't afraid to share his experiences and lead with his character. Can I just tell you, church, that 
All of our lives are writing a story. And what message is your story telling while people are watching? Can I tell you that I have not perfected the art of not talking while driving yet, but it's more like grunting now. So if you see my kids walking down the hall grunting, just know that we're a work in progress, okay? But can I encourage the men of Calvary Church this morning, maybe the men that are watching online, can I just tell you today that we need men of godly character. We need men who are willing to share godly experiences, and we need men who are going to be serious about godly influence. Let me share some statistics with you that Lifeway Research Group came out with in terms of households getting saved upon the influence of the person who got saved first. Here's what they saw. When a child is the first person in the household to become a Christian, there's a 3.5% probability rate that everyone else will follow. That means that if a, a six-year-old today gets saved in, in uh, the uh, NXT kids and they go home and they tell their family about it, there's a 3.5% that their family will listen to the kid and actually uh, get to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. Did you know that if kids do not get saved by the time that they're 12, it becomes astronomically harder to tell them about Jesus. When a mom is the first one in the household to become a Christian, there is a 17% probability rate that everyone else will follow. That's a growth, that's good, 17%. Can I just tell you that this is not true in single parent households. That actually in single parent households when the mom gets saved first, there's an 80 to 90% likelihood that the whole household will get saved. Because they found that statistically speaking, when a single uh, parent household gets involved in a good life-giving church, that the statistical data of the kids flip and the church takes the place of the missing parent. This is the power of influence. And this is why if you're a parent today or not a parent today, that you're a parent because we've got kids in this building. Look at this last statistic. If the father is the first person in the household to become a Christian, 93% of the time, the whole family gets saved. Men, we need men of influence. Men, we need men of godly heritage and godly character who will take these things serious. There's some things that people have encouraged me throughout my life to, to build my family on some values. One of them is God loves people, so we love people. It's just a value that we live by. I got that because a man of God influenced me to live that way. Another man told me that the reason that they choose church over sports. Now, this is not to dog anybody that does this. This is just the value character that was passed on to me. The reason that they choose church over travel sports is because they want to raise world changers and not game changers. Ooh, that one stuck. That one stuck with me. And I told my kids, if you're good enough, they'll find you. And they better find you in church because there's not a better place to be found. <laughs> we need men who are serious, more serious about their character than they are a temporary comfort. That their convictions go deeper than a momentary glimpse. Men who are ready to share experiences with each other and mentor the next generation. What if it was said that at Calvary Church that there was not one child, not one boy, not one girl who did not have a paternal mentor figure in their life? What if it was said at Calvary Church that the men of Calvary were put on notice on, what is today? Father's Day, I know, June 16th, 2019, that they were gonna step up and take a different mantle. 
a mantle of godly influence and character to the next generation, knowing that what is done in excess in our generation will be done, sorry, in moderation in our generation will be done in excess in the next. And we are going to make sure that if there's anything in excess, it's going to be a revival. That if there's going to be anything in excess, it's going to be how to treat a woman right. If there's anything in excess, it's going to be how to talk to people how to treat people the right way, how to have a good work ethic, that we're going to develop young men and young women who are hard after God and don't look to the right or to the left, that if there's anything that's going to be done in excess, it's going to be whatever is in this book right here, the Word of God, because we're going to be people of biblical conviction and the men are going to lead the way. Woo, what if that was said of Calvary Church? I think it will be. I think it will be. Men who are ready to uh, share experiences, can I just tell you, that we need a hundred men to fill discussion groups at main event. That there are boys groups that need men to go in and speak life into them. Boys that are going to come in without a father. Boys that are going to come in from brokenness. Boys that are going to come in carrying their hurt. They need godly men. Can you give a week of your life to speak life into the life of a little boy? To call a boy from boyhood into manhood. You know we have a men's group that meets Every Monday, except if you come tomorrow, we're not going to be meeting because we don't start again until September. But we meet and we have two outcomes of every challenge that we could be about. When a man, get, when, when a person, but this, this is speaking to the men of Calvary, when a man gets presented with a challenge, there's really only two options. You can either man up or punk out. That's it. So when it comes to living a life of conviction and character, when it comes to living a life ready to share experiences with others, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, when it comes to holding the gate and the key to the revival in the next generation, I'm going to ask the men, are we going to man up or are we going to punk out? I know there's days where I wake up and punking out seems a lot easier, but I got two boys and two girls that tell me I better man up every day. I want to thank the, the men that are already stepping up. You're already doing it. You're making a difference. And you're knocking it out of the park. Maybe you walked in just a little tired today. Man, God wants to rejuvenate you. He wants to encourage you. Maybe there's a single mom in the room and you feel like you've just been pulling alone, all alone and this day feels really difficult for you. Can I just let you know that God says in his word that he is a father to the fatherless and a defender to the weak. And let me tell you, men, if we're supposed to emulate God, we better be a father to the fatherless and a defender to the weak because the next generation depends on it and depends on us. I'm not saying that we're doing a bad job. Don't hear that today. But I want to fire you up a little bit to say, can we do a little bit more to experience God's more? Can we be men of character who are not afraid to share experiences and who are ready to expand our influence, to build the kingdom of God. Now I want to pray over all of the men, but I want to pray over everybody as well. If you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me today, and maybe you're in the room and you heard what Pastor Stephen said about building the foundation of Jesus, your, your life on the foundation of Jesus. Maybe you just resonated like, I am a religious person. I do try to do all the right things. But something that Pastor Stephen said today just grabbed your heart and you said, I need to know Jesus differently. I need to know Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. If that's you and you've been religious or you've been running and you want to come back 
and make it right with Jesus. You want to go all in with Jesus today and make him your Lord and Savior. Make sure your foundation is good. Will you just raise your hand with me today? I want to pray over you. If you say, hey, look, I want to go all in with Jesus today. Just go ahead and raise your hand. I see some hands going up in the balcony, some hands down here. Thank you, guys. If you're saying, look, I've been religious. I've been trying to do it in my own strength, but today I need to go with Jesus. Will you just raise your hand with me and just hold it up so I can see it long enough? I see some folks in the balcony over there. Thank you very much. I want you to pray this prayer after me all together. We can say it as a church family and let it reverberate down the halls of the church. Would you just pray this prayer after me? Say, Father God, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus, you are that Savior. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit so I can live for you from this day forward all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Look, that is an awesome, awesome prayer. You just pray. Can we just get rowdy for a minute for these folks that just pray this prayer? We're going to ask all the men to stand. Men, I want to say a prayer over you today. If you'll just stand, this is a, kind of our man up moment. Can we just say thank you to all the men in the room today? Come on, can we just clap for all the men if we just stand up, dad or not? Doesn't matter. Today we're saying we're going to man up. We're going to take the charge. Ninety-three percent. Let's go get them. Let me pray for you, Father. We thank you, Lord that you're so good to us, that you are a good, good father. Father, I pray for these men right now, Lord, whatever the relationship with their father was, whether if it was good or if it was bad, Lord, would you come in and fill in the gaps because you're a good father. Lord, would you recalibrate our hearts to be so close to you, God, that as the men of Calvary Church, we'd pick up the charge to be men of character, men of shared experiences, and men of godly influence. Lord, that you would bless each and every man in this room today or watching online. And Father, if they've been running from you, I pray that you would make their run so uncomfortable that they would run right back to church. God, that we would see the generation behind us experience the greatest move of God because the men in front of them paved the way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Can we just give God praise as, as we all stand together, we'll stretch our legs. Look, I have it on good authority. If you don't got your Father's Day gift yet, Coles is having a sale on socks. You can get like 50 of them for a dollar. I don't know if they're very good or not. That's not true. You can't get 50 for a dollar. Next week, we're going to continue our Made for More series. Pastor Michael Escamilla is going to be here bringing the thunder. It's going to be a good week. Hope you have a happy Father's Day and a good rest of the day. We'll see you next week. Be blessed. You're dismissed.